back in the matrix. You gotta find your own way out. Cause I won't waste another day. Live in someone else's way. I wanna be happy. I wanna be free. Well, fuck what they say. I'm doing me. Here comes the bride, here comes the bride, in a big and ring, but please no toasting. Here comes the bride, here comes the bride, in pig and white, but don't throw any rice. Welcome to the Armageddon in Retrospect podcast. You guessed it, today's topic Weddings. Why talk about weddings? Let me get my bias right out of the way. I hate weddings. Jehovah's Witness or otherwise. Sorry. If you're engaged to be married, I'm sorry. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. But please don't send me a fucking invitation. Well, first and foremost, I need to apologize to my sister. The reason I'm thinking about weddings is because I recently got back from visiting her for her wedding that I not only attended but I actually officiated I got ordained online yes through an online ministry I am once again a man of the cloth thank you Jesus so I flew out to Wisconsin and I married her because that's what she wanted she wanted to get married I I didn't marry her like, I didn't get married to her. I performed the ceremony, obviously. I mean, things like that do happen where I'm from. But you know what I'm talking about here. She got married to someone else. I did the ceremony. I did ceremonies, a uh, couple of wedding talks, if you will, as a Jehovah's Witness elder. And those talks, as I'll probably, hopefully, get to describe in a little bit more further along, we're about 30 minutes massage fest. <laughs> Just 30 minutes of why the man is in charge and why the woman needs respect that. And oh yeah, love and respect. But ultimately, keep the hierarchy at all cost. Well, in keeping with that, my sister's wedding ceremony was 60 minutes long. And it was all about how she needs to respect her husband's headship. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. The ceremony, in case you're wondering, I'm sure you're not, was about, I don't know, three to five minutes long. Just wishing them well. Wishing you love. Wishing you happiness. Here's what I'm hoping for you guys. Basically, good luck. Because you're putting two people together anything can happen right and i just hope it works out well for them and so if you're listening to this congrats it was a real honor for me to be out there be attending the wedding even though i'm not a fan of weddings it was a good time as was the reception so i just wanted to talk briefly about wedding ceremonies themselves and then i'm going to do a separate episode on wedding receptions of course I'm talking specifically within the framework of the Jehovah's Witness religion. 
And I just think it's interesting. Uh, the weddings, like almost everything else in JW land, tend to be pretty cookie cutter, to phrase it that way. There's a formula, and they all follow the formula. I know that happens in the world, okay? I get it. I get it. I get it. It happens in the world, too. There, weddings can be alike. I get that. But especially when you dial or when you really focus in on the ceremony, the fact that the Jehovah's Witness elder who is doing the wedding is giving his speech, his talk, whatever you want to call it, sermon, whatever the hell it is, from an outline. And sure, he can have a little bit of creative freedom, but they try to stifle that. And there's even articles about, uh, for example, I'm not sure if it's going to come up in the article I'm going to refer to, uh, but there was an article in my research that talked about how elders, I think it is in this article, should give a warm, spiritually upbuilding and dignified ceremony. And then it also, I believe, in the same article tells the elder not to have too much humor oh, okay here we are in paragraph 16 of a 2006 watchtower that's what we're referring to october 15th i'll uh i'll circle back around and talk about the title and a couple of points from the article but i just wanted to bring this out just identifying the fact that the ceremony is sometimes quite dry and uh and pretty routine you know it's a lot of conformity happening there paragraph 16 says this if a christian elder will deliver a wedding talk that too should be marked by honor the talk should be addressed to the couple as part of honoring them the speaker will not feature humor or folk sayings he should not include overly personal observations that might embarrass the couple and the listeners rather he will strive to be warm and up building, highlighting the originator of marriage and his outstanding advice. Yes, Jehovah gives such good advice. If only the couples could follow it. All right, I'm going to jump back because this article is titled Weddings That Are Honorable in the Sight of God and Man. Now, really what they're saying is, Weddings that are honorable in the sight of your fellow believers, especially those in leadership positions. That's what they're driving at. Do you want to know what Jehovah has to say about weddings? This is what he has to say. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much what he has to say about wedding ceremonies. They even admit it in this article. Listen to this. Listen to this. Paragraph 2 of this article. <laughs> the question is, what information does the Bible contain about weddings? <laughs> this is good. This is good. Uh, listen to this. They're going to contradict themselves right out of the gate. Christians have found that the advice in God's inspired word is very helpful when a man and woman plan to get married. Granted, the Bible does not outline exact procedures for a Christian wedding. How is it very helpful Helpful, if it has nothing to fucking say on the topic, which is essentially the case? And yet, 
they say is very helpful. What do they what do they mean? If the Bible actually doesn't talk about it, what do they mean when they say it's very helpful? Well, what they mean again, as is always pointed out, is that there's this patchwork of random scriptures and principles that we're going to trot out and say that these apply to weddings, even though they have nothing to do with the topic. Now, here's the reason they give for the Bible being silent on weddings. Are you ready for this? This is what the writers of the Bible had in mind. That is understandable because customs and even legal requirements vary according to location and era. Yes, that's right. The watch, the, the not the watchtower, the Bible writers were concerned with varying customs and laws in different locations and eras. <laughs> Are you serious? You know, like, what? The, the Bible writer sitting down and he's like, well, I don't want to get too specific because if someone gets married in Kazakhstan, it is different. See, Kazakhstan and Canada, they're different. And, and so I'm just going to not mention it because that way there's no conflict in local laws. <laughs> get the fuck out of here with this. They are so, this is so dumb. I'm sorry. This is just stupid. Listen to this. You want to know what the Bible has to say about Weddings, this is gold right here. I'm going to share gold with you. You ready? They're going to tell us what it says. For example, in ancient Israel, there was no formal wedding ceremony. On the wedding day, the bridegroom brought his bride to his own home or to his father's. Yes, in good old Bible times, so romantic, the bridegroom brought the woman home and fucked her, and that was considered a wedding ceremony. <laughs> I mean, I guess, did they, did they have, a, like, a gift registry? You know, Bed Bath & Beyond? <laughs> the wedding ceremony was either fucking her at home, in a tent, or at his parents' basement, I guess? Well, that's weird. That. <laughs> That was That is what the Bible has to say about wedding ceremonies. That's it. That's all it has to offer. Do you want to use that as advice for your wedding? Maybe you do. You'd save a lot of money. Maybe not a bad idea. Give it a shot. Let me know how that goes for you. Propose that when you propose. And especially the whole thing about your father's house. I'd like to hear some feedback on how that goes for you. And finally, the paragraph concludes, this public step constituted the wedding without the formal ceremony common in many weddings today. And then it goes on to say sometimes there was a celebratory feast because they worked up an appetite fucking. So there you have it. You have essentially in the Bible, it talks about sometimes the father of the groom and the new father-in-law exchanging some goats and then... The bridegroom took the woman home. Sometimes he even took the wrong woman home and fucked her. <laughs> uh, you know, that it's a Bible story, right? It's Rachel, Leah. Who's that with? Was that, uh, was that Jacob? Jacob? I, I think that was Jacob. That, that Jacob took the wrong sister home. And so he ended up with two wives. That's, that is, now that is an amazing wedding ceremony use that as advice for your wedding 
and let me know how that pans out for you. The amazing thing was, is somehow the other sister was still willing to marry him. <laughs> if you could convince, <laughs> if you could convince anyone of this that to still marry you after doing that, wow! I mean, this guy. I don't know. He was a true player. A true player. Okay. So that's what the Bible say about weddings. That's it. Now I'm just going to kind of shoot the shit uh, anecdotally about uh, some Jehovah's Witness wedding stuff. Okay. One, there's an expectation that you use their building, the Kingdom Hall. It's not required, but it's kind of considered an honor to use it. And if you don't use it, sometimes there's a slight feeling that your courtship, your dating life wasn't pure and chaste. What am I getting at here? Well, you see, you as a couple write a letter to the elders asking permission to use the kingdom hall, and they will approve that. Now, before the elder performs your talk, your wedding ceremony, there's supposed to be an interview, essentially a chastity interview with the couple. Did you touch her breasts? Did you fondle his genitalia? So on, so forth. Questions like that. Was there any loose conduct? Any pornea? You sure you didn't slap, play some slap and tickle? Did you get a hard on? You know, that, maybe they don't get, it, it, there's varying amounts of detail that they go into. I definitely remember being asked specifically by my father, who performed my ceremony, if I had groped. <laughs> her breast, or touch her in any private areas. And if you fail this interview, then you no longer keep the quote-unquote privilege of using their ugly windowless building that has fuchsia-colored chairs and super depressing dull gray carpet, typically. You lose that wonderful privilege while all the beautiful paintings of children petting tigers. And then you just end up doing a last-minute thing, probably at the American Legion or something. I don't know. So it's not necessarily the case that someone didn't use the Kingdom Hall, that that's what happened. But there was a general feeling about, is it possible that they, and I personally knew couples that, you know, confessed because of their uh, quote-unquote conscience and lost out in using the Kingdom Hall. And they, more so than even the stigma of the people attending, which was probably there, I think just a deep sense of shame they carried about their dating life and starting out their wedding that way, not being married in a Kingdom Hall building. Now, the I played in the beginning, Here Comes the Bride. You cannot play that in a Kingdom Hall wedding. In fact, in all of Jehovah's Witness weddings I attended, never once were there any songs used for the bride and the part, the wedding party walking down the aisle that were not Jehovah's Witness produced music. It is, and that's whether it was in the Kingdom Hall or not, it's pretty much required and expected that you will use their god-awful piano music or now they have some string arrangements. It all is awful, but you have to use that. You cannot, you could try to play a different song. Sure, why not? You're not in the Kingdom Hall. Try to play something different. See how it goes, but there's going to be a little bit of 
concern and outrage among the Jehovah's Witness attendees. Another thing about Jehovah's Witness weddings, do you want to have a non-believer in your wedding party? This could be trouble. Now, they may allow it. They may allow it, but it's going to be strongly frowned upon. So just keep that in mind. Outside of a father or a mother or a very close relative, having a non-believing friend or workmate in your wedding is extremely frowned upon, and you'll probably get talked to by the elders about that topic. That's how far the control goes. The other thing, they are going to be concerned with the dress and grooming. The bride can wear a wedding dress, but is it too far off the shoulders? Is there a little bit too much cleavage? Does it ride a little too high? Is the slit too high? What about the bridesmaid dresses? How about the tux that the groom is wearing? Can you see the outline of his massive genitalia? Is because his pants are too tight? Mm-mm. Nope. 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 Not allowed. Not allowed. So all of these details of your wedding day, you're going to be talked to about it. And also, even the decorations that you can have in the kingdom hall. They have to be very modest, very under control. Maybe you can put some flowers in there, a couple of little things, but they're not going to want you really going crazy decorating the kingdom hall. So all, your wedding is just, and again, what does the Bible have to say about these things? Nothing. These are all rules made up internally by the leadership to exert control. And again, when the ceremony happens, it's going to happen with a Jehovah's Witness elder giving a talk from an outline. So even what's said at the wedding is very, very, very much controlled. And again, that talk is essentially, uh, let me see if I can dial this up for a second. <clears throat> oh, we'd like to welcome everyone to this very happy occasion. We have the wedding here of Bill and Anna. And Jehovah, he's the happy God. And on this day, this joyous occasion, he wants us to be happy. Now, what does it take to be happy? Well, being happy means listening to Jehovah. And what has Jehovah outlined in his word as the roles for both man and woman, husband and wife. Well, if you turn to the scripture in Ephesians, you'll see that he's assigned the role of head in the family to the man and the role of giving head, I mean, following headship to the woman and then so on and so forth. <laughs> the bulk of the talk is based around headship, man in charge, woman submitting to the man. That's what it's on. And then essentially kind of the this better be forever which is fine i guess if you're getting married that should be your viewpoint right whatever so <laughs> that's a jehovah's witness wedding you can kiss the bride in the kingdom hall but just make sure you know no slipping of the tongue or you know you're not going to dip her or anything like that you know just kind of a straight vanilla kiss make sure you don't linger too long and then it's done okay then you go 
to the back of the Kingdom Hall. You sign the paperwork with the elder. And I just want to mention here that among some couples, my ex included, there was a slight terror, a real fear, an anxiety that somehow the wedding license wouldn't be filled out properly. And when you had sex that night, when you fucked, you were not fucking as legally married people. And therefore, you might be committing fornication because you're not legally married. Because Jehovah's Witnesses do put most of the weight on the actual legal document. So you can get married legally through a uh, justice of the peace and not even have a Kingdom Hall wedding. That is an option. Uh, and, and they'll consider you married. But most Jehovah's Witnesses will do both. Or, or they'll have a, the elder officiate, the elders ordained by the state, and then he has the marriage license and fills it out with the couple. But there was just this fear. Can you imagine the fear of what if he doesn't mail it in time? What if we, we left something blank? And it gets rejected, and we've had sex. <gasps> oh, no. Now, granted, if that happened, they would probably just kind of like sweep it under the rug. But people live with that fear of doing anything wrong sexually within religion. Not everyone, but I did know some of the more serious members that were concerned about that on their most happy of days, marriage, the wedding. That's all I have to say about Jehovah's Witnesses and weddings. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I will be back soon to talk about wedding receptions, party time. Yes, in Jehovah's Witness lands, Jehovah's Witnesses like to party, 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 party. So what are the receptions like? What are the rules around receptions? Let's talk about that very soon. I've been getting some great messages from all over the fucking world. You people in the United States, you're, you're, you're okay. Like, I like you. I get it. I'm from here. But I'm sorry. Australia? Hell yes. Denmark? Uh, Switzerland? Sweden? Getting messages from people. Awesome. Emails, too. So, again, Instagram, at Armageddon Podcast. Please follow me. Become my follower. And email armageddonpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out, and when I have a moment, I will get back to you. Thanks for listening. You're back in the matrix. You gotta find your own way out. Cause I won't waste another day. Live in someone else's way. I wanna be happy. I wanna be free. Fuck what they say, I'm doing me